This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism, only on America's Webradio.com, coming at you on a beautiful spring day, February 2nd, your Groundhog Day, actually. You can say that again. Did you know that the Groundhogs were 0 for 2 today, the Puxatani Phil? with uh, the folks up in Pennsylvania, did not see his shadow. And today, with a uh, cloud coverage here in Atlanta, General Beauregard Lee did not see his shadow. David, I got to tell you, this morning it was foggier than a Sarah Palin speech in Atlanta. I don't know if you saw it today or, or if you didn't see it. It was like thicker was than pea soup. Thic- 6 o'clock this morning. Thicker than pea soup, I believe, yes. is the uh, colloquial term. You're right. Thick pea soup. As a matter of fact. Split pea soup. That's right. So uh, we even uh, go into a little bit more finer detail, but very foggy day. Very foggy day. It's almost like a Hillary Clinton conspiracy. The fog of war. The uh, I was. Uh, did you know the X Files came out, David? I don't know if you watched it 15 years ago, but they've got a reincarnation. No pun intended. Of the X Files, and um, I actually find that show far more believable than Hillary Clinton's excuses about this server and uh, the emails and everything. And now they've uh, uncovered the fact that she actually spilled the names of CIA. Officials in uh, 22 at least emails that were like super, super top secret, like double secret probation. These should not have been emailed on any kind of private server. And they were sent back and forth between her and I'm sure her little assistant, Huma Abedin, who's married to Mr. Weiner from uh, New, New York, New Jersey uh, area, and uh, failed Anthony Weiner, failed congressman, failed candidate for mayor. Uh, who likes to send pictures of his uh, wiener to people on Twitter. <laughs> so tw- do they call that a tweener? If you tweet a picture of your wiener, is that a tweener? I, I don't know. I think they call it. I, I know you don't normally parties. like talking about things like this, David, but I think tweener is kind of a funny <laughs> combination. Uh, I, I think there's words. a term for it called sick. Okay. We can start with that. We can start with sick. Speaking of sick, look at the Democrats last night. We're going to talk Iowa with a couple friends calling in. Chase Reed from Madison Strategies calling in about 2.15. And our new city councilman from Covington, Georgia, Josh McKelvey, who is actually on the ground out in Iowa working with the Rand Paul campaign. Uh, is going to give us some feedback. He was posting some footage from the uh, campaign headquarters. Looked like Rand Paul had quite the ground game going on. We'll get to the Iowa results on the Republican side a little bit later, but I did want to talk about the Democrat side real quick. Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton in a virtual tie. And David, oh, no. You, Hillary's already declared she, oh, she no, won. No, she, she, no they, she did win, but it's a virtual tie. It's within the margin of error. She's already being... Um, excuse me, accused of voter fraud. I mean, there's actually a big headline saying voter fraud in Polk County, Iowa, which, I mean, wow, that is shocking that the Clintons would cheat or that voter fraud would be found in the Democrat election. In fact, David, the Republicans have far more many voters than Democrats in these types of things because dead people only vote in general elections. (laughs) Well, it's easier for them to make it to the poll. (laughs) <laughs> Did you say Paul Bear or Paul Bear? But uh, so it, it, let's look at the Democrat side. I think it's pretty easy for Republicans to spin this. A, you've got a seventy-four-year-old bat crazy socialist 
who almost beat Hillary Clinton, a former U.S. senator and former secretary of state and former first lady. Or, you spin it this way, that Bernie Sanders almost got beat by somebody who could be indicted for treason within the next six months. <laughs> that Bernie Sanders almost beat somebody, or that you almost got beat by somebody. Either way, it's a good spin for Republicans. Martin O'Malley, we'll see you. Never really took off. Seemed like a, a decent candidate. Um, somebody that doesn't have the corruption of Hillary or the craziness of Bernie. Um, you know, Bernie was posting something last night on Twitter about people that work 40 hours a week shouldn't be living in poverty. And I commented on his tweet. I said, well, if he would stop giving their money away to people who work zero hours a week, perhaps they wouldn't be in poverty. But uh, both of them are headed to New Hampshire. Bernie Sanders has a huge lead, uh, according to the polls there. The polls, that's the other thing I want to talk about real quick, is um, – uh, on the Republican side, Donald Trump had been polling in first place for most of it. He'd been going back and forth between him and Ted Cruz. Uh, last night, the, as we know, Ted Cruz was the uh, the ultimate winner in Iowa. A lot of people say Marco Rubio was the big winner, but Ted Cruz won the most, and uh, he was actually polling in second place. He ended up getting the most votes, and Donald Trump was uh, second place, with Rubio a very close third place. And a lot of folks were vilifying the polls for getting things so wrong. But, I, you know, if you really look at it, they didn't really get it that wrong. They, they You flip-flop the first, the top two, but they almost had uh, Cruz's percentage dead on. Basically, Trump underperformed a little bit. Uh, a lot of the undecideds clearly went towards uh, Rubio on it. But basically, from third on, they had it nail on the head. And wow. the first two were flip flop, but a lot of people picked Cruz because of his ground game with that upset. So I, I want to comment on that. Okay, um, nobody has come out and said they've all all gone gaga over Cruz and his ground crew, and he had twelve thousand people in and this and that. Now, if you step back and take a look at it, who really won? Trump. Now think about this. He had no ground crew. He had minimal advertising, and he came in a very strong second, and probably could have come in first had he had any. Yeah. Grand well, but that's so. But isn't that the debate though? Is Donald Trump's strength is it real or is it uh, you know Memorex? Right? Is it is it is it real strength? Uh, or is it people that take the time to answer po polls? I think well, we found out last night that he does have people that will. I was a, probably one of the most difficult states to actually vote in. I mean, you got to go. You saw him counting the paper. I thought right. it was like a damn student council election last night. They were counting the paper ballots and screaming the names out. It was just old school politics. And then I guess it's kind of cool, but 180,000 people went out and voted. That's a that's a lot of paper. Yeah. And that, a lot of trees they killed last night. You know, you got to think about it. I'm not a big Donald supporter by any means, but uh, why? You because know, you have ethics he, uh, and, and or a con, or you, you got to you got to admit he did a hell of a job of getting people out. Yeah, well, um, they, he they they did. I, like I said, I was very difficult um, to uh, to actually vote in. So he did uh, he did very well. It was strange that Cruz, if you looked at some of the uh, 
the comparison between 2016 and 2012, Cruz was doing well in the Romney areas, and uh, Trump was doing well in the Rick Santorum areas. It was just, it was a little bit reverse of conventional wisdom. So, what do, you, uh, what do you think of Carson's charges? Uh, you know, it, unfortunately, I, I don't think that they, um, I don't think that they're completely made up. Um, but Ben Carson basically took a nine-day vacation, so he has. Um, He's like going to Florida for nine days. So he's he, if he, he hasn't officially suspended his campaign, but he's he's taking a two week rest right in the middle of campaign season. So he's apparently given up on New Hampshire, and uh, I, I don't know. So and that was something announced by Carson. Were there probably some overzealous Ted Cruz people at uh, caucus stations doing that? Yeah. But here's the question: Was it organized by the Ted Cruz, or was it kind of uh, uh, you know an organic? manifestation did somebody see Carson say that and say you know what I'm going to just announce this nobody's going to be able to fact check me um you know I think the smoking gun it, it, you know would be if you know somebody sent out a uh, a formal letter or an email I'm sorry we're not with the Pony Express anymore uh, you know a formal email or a tweet or something that was sent out to all of the uh, caucus leaders for the Cruz campaign that said, hey, this is our strategy. We really need to peel off some of Carson's voters. I think I think if it was formally organized, then I'd have a big problem with it because that is sabotaging a campaign. And then, and then really it's, it's being deceitful. Um, and that shows the heart of a person. Ted Cruz is running on this honest conservative with this 100% rating and, and everything from the Heritage Foundation. But if they're doing campaign tactics like that, that's, that's cheating. It's nefarious. And, uh, again, I, I think it's hard to hold a campaign accountable for every single supporter. I mean, I, you've, you've worked on campaigns. You know there's people that are gung-ho out there, and they're going to – you know they're going to go off the rails a little bit. Uh, you so you can't control all of them. You can vet as many people as you can. You can you know any of your major spokespeople. I mean Trump's spokesperson, <laughs> that Katrina Pearson. I she she I, I don't know. I, I I chuckle every time she comes on because she uh, especially when she wore that necklace of bullets. You know, I don't know if you saw that. It was she used so, to do a show on her. Did she really? On America, yeah. The, really? Okay. Well, I mean, she's got a, she's got a face. She's a very pretty girl. She was, she was a very uh, staunch uh, Cruz supporter. Was she? Oh, very much so. And what happened? Did he break up with her? I, I don't know. Couldn't <laughs> tell you. Oh, she was a staunch Cruz supporter when he was running for Senate. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Cruz had a huge... I mean, that's almost like the Tea Party will get you elected, like they did with Rubio in 2010 and then Cruz in 2012. And then they're like, oh, you know, we're done with you. Bye. You've pissed us off. You, you haven't uh, repealed Obamacare unilaterally, so bye. I mean, Marco Rubio has a 94% rating uh, from these conservative organizations on votes. He's very conservative, but his Gang of Eight uh, involvement with the amnesty bill is really hurting him. And I, one of the funny things I see Cruz do – and he does it, and I know he's doing it on purpose, but anytime he mentions Rubio, he always puts in like, oh, and uh, the, the Rubio-Schumer amnesty bill. Or he'll, he'll tie Rubio to like this vilified Democrat. The Rubio-Obama-Clinton amnesty bill, or the Rubio-Schumer. I'm, wa- I'm waiting for him to say the Rubio-Hitler bill that came out last year, you know, because that, that's almost – it's a little hyperbolic. Um, 
Some people probably don't like that tactic of Cruz to do that. I think it's funny that he does it, and I also think it can be effective. You're tying Rubio to negative people, and you're reminding them of this immigration bill that really has pissed off a lot of people. I know Charles Cook was probably a fan of it uh, at first. He even, you know, he talked about it needing tweaks when uh, he was on my show. Charles Cook is one of the uh, better uh, immigration attorneys here in the Atlanta area, and he's actually pretty well known uh, nationally. I see him being interviewed a lot, but the you know the immigration bill, we all know it had problems. The term amnesty can mean so many different things to so many people. I take it as amnesty means that they have a direct pathway to citizenship without having to wait the normal lines. That's my definition of it. I don't think keeping the 12 million people or whatever the number here is and registering them and and getting them uh, out of the shadows. I don't think we're going to kick them out. I'm sure we're not. And I don't think that would be good for the country if we kicked out all 12 million of them. I don't think it's feasible. I don't think it's a humanitarian thing. I also don't think they should ever be able to vote. If they came here as adults, they should never be able to vote here. That's just the price you pay. David, in this world, actions must have consequences. And if we say you can stay here, you can have a permanent green card, you can do all this, you can stay here and do everything you want, you will just not ever be a full citizen that can vote. I don't think that that's the worst price to pay. Uh, And that, to me, that would show a consequence for an action that is illegal. But uh, anyway, we're coming up on our 215 break here. Send me your thoughts on that, folks. Am I I being an a-hole for that? Don't answer that. But anyway, we'll be back with uh, Chase Reed from Madison Strategies at 2.15 p.m. Well, whatever time you're listening to, because this thing is on all the time. It's on a podcast. So you may be listening to this at 2 a.m. See you in a minute on Greg's List. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. 
But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's Web Radio.com. Uh, joining us right now is our friend Chase Reed, a uh, consultant with Madison Strategies, a uh, political consulting and uh, PR company here uh, out of Georgia. And uh, Chase has been traveling around the country a little bit, going on different projects. Was actually at the South Carolina debate a couple weeks ago. That was actually one that Donald Trump did attend. And um, yeah. I wanted to get him on. I wanted to get Chase on uh, last week, but he was out of town, unable to hook up. But uh, we're not going to necessarily talk about old news about exactly the blow for blow, blow by blow at that. Uh, sounds like a, a Bill Clinton uh, <laughs> White House officer <laughs> with that. But uh, we're going to kind of talk about the uh, the strength of supporters, which last night in Iowa, we got to finally see who is actually going to vote. So, Chase, take us back. That was, uh, was that in Charleston, that debate? Or? Yeah, it was in Charleston, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you went out there with, uh, with, with your company, and um, are you guys, I don't know, were you guys working on a presidential campaign, or were you all no. just out there? Just yeah, to- we, we are, on full disclosure, we are on with Rubio. So okay. uh, I'm a touch biased, but uh, my, my report from the debate is, <laughs> is, 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 is pretty good for all the candidates. Um, so. So, so yeah, it was it was a great, a really good atmosphere. Really, um, I, I, I was tweeting, uh, I was live tweeting throughout the whole debate. Okay, uh, in Charleston, and um, a couple things I noticed were, you know, all candidates were getting applauses and, and cheers and, and stuff like that, which is really, you know, heartfelt if you think about it. Because at the end of the day, you know, we are all Republicans, and that's one good thing to hear. Whenever you know, I have my favorite candidate, and the guy beside me had his favorite candidate. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, all the candidates did really well. Uh, I will say this, though. It was kind of funny. I was uh, sending out a tweet um, talking about, you know, how heartfelt and sincere the room was and all that, and my phone was about to die. I, I was like, I've got to get this tweet off really quick, <laughs> and I did. I sent it out, and two minutes after I sent that tweet out, my phone died, and all of a sudden, I don't know if you guys heard it on television, but the uh, a, a big eruption occurred in the auditorium, and these people started chanting, we won't ran, we won't ran. <laughs> so I just sent out this really, really heartfelt tweet about how, how great all of us Republicans are, and then all of a sudden these, these people literally right beside me start yelling, you know, we want Rand, bring Rand on the stage. And sure enough, a security guard comes up and somebody <laughs> official comes up, and I'm like, they're looking right at me, and I'm like, oh, it, man. It, it's not me. Like, I didn't do it. And I'm like, I'm pointing these guys right beside me. You were, showing, you were showing your Rubio hat. You're like, it's not me, dude, I promise, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also uh, – um, the woman sitting behind me thought I looked like Marco Rubio 
twin brother, so she wants to take a picture. So there's a picture <laughs> circulating somewhere where my last name is Chase Rubio. That's kind of hey, that, that's kind of cool. Okay, yeah, because if uh, memory serves, this was a debate that Rand Paul did not make the main right. stage, and right. uh, in fact, he skipped the kids' table debate, and apparently had a pretty successful uh, town hall meeting with a hundred thousand people kind of logging in on that. So that was a bit of counter programming, very similar to what Donald Trump did uh, the week last mm-hmm. week. Uh, in Iowa, the difference was Donald Trump was actually uh, invited and would have had the uh, pole position, if you will, and just said, screw it. I don't like Megyn Kelly. I'm going to do this thing for the vets. Uh, and we saw um, you know, him come in second place in Iowa, which I think a lot, even though the polls had had him in first place, I think, I mean, I when I did my predictions last night, I had I pretty much nailed it. I reversed uh, Carson and uh, Dr. Paul, but I had Cruz winning uh, by a couple points, uh, Trump second. And then Marco Rubio, clearly, uh, besides Cruz winning, it was the story of the night. He outperformed yeah, his no poll no numbers by 6.2 points, I believe, versus when you compare it to the real clear politics average. It averages an amalgamation of a bunch of different polls. Rubio had a great night, and what really impressed me was his uh, speech afterwards. It did sound like he had won. The, if you didn't pay attention to the numbers, you'd say, "Damn, Rubio won!" But he 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 won a moral victory, and he won a uh, momentum victory. And uh, Cruz's speech again was uh, it was good. But it, it, when you win something, I think Cruz needs to get away from always kind of pandering to his base and being a more uh, effusive uh, speaker. And those are my observations. What do you see? About about that. Yeah, that, that's kind of, you know, that, that was my big takeaway from it was, and this is one thing I'm seeing on the pun against Stanford about my good friend Eric Erickson, uh, you know, he, he kind of m- mentioned this. Um, one thing about Rubio, he didn't technically win, but the way it's being spun, the way that the Rubio, uh, the core team is spinning it is, he really did win tonight. You know, he's got his messaging set up uh, perfectly. He's ready to move to New Hampshire. His speech was great, like you said. And then, you know, Ted Cruz, while you know, I do want to congratulate him for, for ultimately winning Iowa, to me, he got his speech was really long. It took him forever to, to get started. And it almost sounded like he had, you know, the speech was almost like he had just won the presidency. I yep. mean, Iowa was a big deal, but Cruz's speech was almost like uh, he, he had just won uh, the, the presidency of the United States and he was ready to move to the White House tomorrow. And, and you know, Marco was looking forward to the future and looking to uh, unite the Republican Party. So I think that's too two big takeaways. I mean, Ted Cruz's speech was, I I listened to the first part of it, I got up, I shaved, and it was still going on. I got done shaving, I sat down, and it was still going on. So, I mean, he was he was really he was really going for it right there. Well, you know, Cruz was long. I mean, Rubio's speech was 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 long too. I I mean, I actually took a little bit of a break uh, from watching him, and then I came back. I said, like, "Oh, he, he's still going." So he he was on for a while. Cruz, I mean, I did I flipped the channel. I was like, oh, you know, I didn't want to watch a sermon tonight, and <laughs> um, and then you know, I could see people complaining. Um, on uh, Twitter and Facebook that he was still talking. And I just thought, you know, he really is is going a little yep. overboard here. And, uh, it, and again, it didn't strike the right tone to me because, it, again, it was, uh, you know, attacking people, being scared of big government, while Rubio's speech was the, the optimistic that I think appeals more to people. And Trump Trump's speech was actually really good. It was... Uh, I was surprised, it, yeah. It, it, was wasn't, uh, all, it wasn't about all the haters and losers in Iowa, you know. Yeah, he was he was humbled, and you know he said he's, I was really surprised at his uh, Trump speech. You know, maybe maybe we're seeing a uh, a new uh, a new a new kind of Trump persona where he realizes you know he's got to be a little bit less brash and abrasive and more uh, 
more man of the people. I mean, you know, you got to give Rubio credit because, you know, he came into Iowa and uh, the evangelicals, you know, mo- most pollsters and most people thought, well, the evangelical vote goes to, Cru- to Cruz, no doubt, and then Ben mm-hmm. Carson second. But uh, Marco Rubio's doing a really good job of, of, of grasping evangelicals. And I think that that shows his numbers in Iowa. I mean, um, yeah, you know, and that and I, the the undecideds are really breaking towards Rubio because there was I think uh, the last poll had forty three percent of Iowans that were like you know I could vote for somebody else or I'm undecided but I'm leaning one way they clearly broke big time for Rubio I mean and let's not get it wrong Cruz had an outstanding night he won right, his no, ground game his ground that. game is is for real um, I thought um, you know as far as disappointments go Rand Paul clearly uh, this was his you know the Iowa caucuses are the most difficult to participate in as far because they you know it's not just a simple go vote for somebody one time like the SEC primary will be here in Georgia on March 1st uh he I thought he was going to you know perform 10% or higher and I had him finishing fourth ahead of Carson and uh that didn't happen. So where does he go from there? We'll be talking to Josh McKelvey uh, in a few minutes about that. I always get, you know, anytime you post something about Rand Paul, if you ever think your Facebook is lonely, criticize uh, Rand Paul. And, uh, you or, will, or Bernie Sanders. Or, both those, yeah, or Bernie Sanders. <laughs> or the, the lightning pole. Bernie Sanders, is. I mean, that's just fun right there. But uh, It is. So it you've is. got uh, this Leadership Institute thing going on, too, Chase, which uh, you emailed me about. That sounds like a pretty cool program. Sounds like a lot of uh, grassroots training going on. Tell me a little bit about that. It is, yeah. You know, this is this is a really good transition coming off the Iowa caucuses and moving into the SEC primary here in Georgia. Um, this program is, is the LI, Leadership Institute, is based out of D.C. They're a conservative institution, and, you know, they're, they're really focused on grassroots training and, and communications and grassroots engagement and volunteerism, how to really run an effective campaign. Uh, I've been to leadership trainings before. And, you know, it's core leadership stuff, you know, how to be a servant leader and all that. But it's never, you know, taught me necessarily how to, how to run a good campaign. Right. And that's what these guys are looking to do here in Georgia, you know. Um, they're, they're coming in, for flying in from D.C., and they're starting this five-month program one Saturday a month. Um, and they are they're, – they're wanting to do some training for some, some hardcore politicos like myself and, and like you, Greg, and like others uh, here in Georgia. I mean, I've been doing politics in Georgia now for years and we are a political state and this is just a great resume builder for, for young folks and, right. and for some older guys to uh, get, get some training and to, uh, to to advance their knowledge yeah and what uh, what's cool to me is you know the you know studying political science I didn't study poli science school I was a journalism major and really didn't get involved until politics school much later uh, in life basically when Barack Obama was elected and I had my mortgage clients asking me how they could stop paying their mortgage and keep their house I saw a clear and present danger and uh, quickly moved into politics and, and it is a it is on the job training it's amazing what you can learn once you volunteer for a campaign and, and a lot of times these things they don't pay you at first uh, you got to prove yourself you got to prove that you have value and um, you know this leadership institute I think is something that you know if, if you do take it you'll be able to tell a prospective client look hey you know I, you need a campaign manager you've got a small budget I'll do it for four hundred dollars a month or whatever and that's something that you build off on. I mean, nobody starts exactly. off. No, Carl exactly. Rove didn't start off making fifty thousand dollars a month. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know much about his history, but I can assure you, nobody in politics starts off at the top. <laughs> yeah, Carl Rove. Uh, Carl Rove actually uh, <laughs> didn't finish uh, his first college. He went to. He stopped. Got a job with a campaign. and went to work. So yeah, 
if you definitely want to be like Carl Rove I, or, or any big politico, you, you, you hear their name. <laughs> definitely, Li. It has the great name recognition to where you know you, you you name drop. You know, I took at this Li school, and you know you get you get credibility just from doing that. So it's going to be a really great yeah, program. And, and what I've done is, uh, I, you know, I've gone to some national events for Americans for Prosperity and other things, and this it really does give you a national base of friendship where you can catch on with campaigns in other states and uh, really broadens. Uh, the horizon. Where can people find out more? We got to wrap up our uh, program here with Chase Reed from uh, Madison Strategies talking about LI, the Leadership Institute. And uh, where can people find out more about that program? Yeah, we're on Facebook. Uh, you can check me out, Chase Reed, on Facebook. Um, we we we've got I've got incoming news coming about that. Um, you can get in contact with me. Uh, I'll, I'll shoot you over the information. You can also check out the Leadership Institute, their website, and they have all the information on where to sign up. Uh, on the Leadership Institute, the, the, the reception website. So. All right. Well, very good. Chase Reed, I appreciate it. We'll have replays of the show and the podcast up later. Enjoyed your insight and uh, look forward to seeing you out on the trail, my friend. Yep. Anytime, Greg. Anytime. All right, man. And we'll be back. Josh McKelvey, Covington City Council and on the ground campaigner for Rand Paul out in Iowa. Excited to hear his uh, observations from the ground and actually the real world stuff. A lot of us sit behind the computer and, and make observations and, and um, offensive comments like I do, but we didn't go to Iowa. So I actually like hearing from the horse's mouth, so to speak. We'll see you in a couple minutes with Josh McKelvey on Greg's List. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. 
Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com, fresh off of the, uh, the first salvo. In the presidential race, the uh, Democrats and Republicans had their uh, Iowa caucuses last night and a pretty dramatic evening. Uh, joining us right now is our friend Josh McKelvey. I think Josh has been on the show maybe a couple years ago or certainly arranged for some guests. But since that time, he's been elected city councilman in the great city of Covington and been working hard for the uh, the Rand Paul for a president campaign and just got back from Iowa being on the ground there. And uh, really excited to hear some of your insights and observations. Josh, welcome back to Greg's List. How are you today? I'm doing great, Greg. A little under the weather after being in Iowa for three days and working 15-hour days, but feeling good. Um, glad to be back in Georgia, though, I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, I'm sure uh, your wife and your uh, child are happy to have you back as well, and I am too. Welcome back. And the city of, Coving- <laughs> the city of Covington just was, was suffering uh, in absentia without you here as well. So, uh, But anyway, so, um, so last night, you know, we're watching the returns. I I predicted the top five pretty correctly, pretty accurately, except I reversed uh, Dr. Carr. I reversed the doctors. I put Dr. Paul finishing a pretty strong fourth and uh, Carson finishing fifth because, I mean, basically I was just going off of some of the stuff I'd been seeing you post from the uh, Rand Paul headquarters. I was like, wow, they are really getting after it out there. And Rand Paul and, and his dad, Ron Paul, had done extremely well uh, in Iowa uh, the previous time. So I... I you know, thought Rand was going to have a, a big surprise of the night. And uh, one of the first comments you said was, I was, people are weird <laughs> when the results came in. And I know that I know they're not all weird, but it's certainly, sure. it's, they're hard to figure, I guess. So tell me a little bit about, you were there for 45 hours during three days, working hard, doing the phone calls, ringing the bells, being on the ground, coordinating uh, walk routes, all that, all the fun stuff that's part of a campaign. So just tell us a little bit about the experience and uh, what what's good for Paul going forward. And I, th- I, th- I think it was a disappointing fifth place finish. Um, I mean, maybe you can tell me I'm wrong on that, but uh, for me, I think that people have to be disappointed in that. No, I'm with you on that. We, uh, when I left the ground there yesterday, I was, I thought we had a shot at third place. Uh, the reactions we were getting on the ground and on the phone calls uh, looked really positive for us. We had tons of energy, man. There was 200 volunteers there from across the country, mm-hmm. and we were all working nonstop. Yep. Um, and then the caucus happened. So I think we had, uh, you know, we, we got a lot of great responses. In the under-40 crowd, we had, like, Trump-like numbers, 29%, 30%. Um, and then we were also seeing that but between the undecideds, there was very favorable opinions of Rand and Rubio. So we knew that the uh, the two candidates were, were surging. Mm-hmm. We, thought, we thought it was going to be close between three and four for Rubio and Rand. Um, didn't see as many responses. I mean, we made 85,000 phone calls on Friday, set a record. I'm sorry, Saturday. And, uh, yeah, we weren't feeling like Car- – we thought Carson was sinking. Um, <laughs> but, yep. you know, like I said, weird things happen. Yeah. Um, we're staying positive with it. You know, I'm, I'm personally disappointed in a fifth-place finish. But, uh, you know, he did – he still secured himself in the top five, so hopefully he can be in the next debate. We'll see if that happens or not. 
Um, one one particular thing that I, I found odd that you know a lot of people would like to know um, with the, un, the the favorability ratings in the under forty, the forty and under crowd between Rubio and Rand, they were very high. And you know we thought we had the college the college crowd. You know mm-hmm. we thought we had that, and something happened. I don't know what happened, but there at the last minute, Rubio. I mean there was I, I was getting returns from we were getting returns from the the local college caucuses and yeah because we've got. Was uh, Rubio was winning there. Yeah, you got Iowa State and University of Iowa. They're pretty big uh, state uh, schools. There, I'm sure they both have uh, you know enrollments of thirty thousand plus. And that's normally you know that was where Ron Paul had a huge uh, strength. Sure. And what, um, I, in your opinion, why doesn't Rand automatically get the support from that his dad had? Because his dad had a pretty good five to ten percent, just solid, almost every state. And uh, I don't, I, for some reason, there's been a little bit of fall off for Rand. Do you have? Is there any explanation, any speculation on, on why that may be? You know, we thought uh, some of that is, and I, it just blows my mind, but it's, it's Trump and Cruz are pulling away some of those numbers, <laughs> as well as uh, uh, Bernie, of all people, uh, just because of the civil liberty stuff, mm. I guess, and uh, those stance on the war on drugs. He's doing well with college kids. I mean, gotcha. Bernie is bull- Bernie's pulling those numbers at his rallies with the college kids that Ron was doing in 2012. Right. So. Hey, Bernie is kind of the left wing version. I mean, and and libertarian and and uh, republican people like me, we do have some synergies with the left uh, as far as uh, you know the uh, the war on drugs or the failure uh, of the war on drugs, the uh, criminal justice reform, uh, several issues uh, that you know uh, uh, what some people consider the United States's role in the world with uh, a, a military budget seven times more than our nearest competitor. So there's a lot of things, and you know when. Republicans want to talk about cut and spending. They never want to cut military, and I think yep. that uh, certainly that has to be part of the conversation. If we're going to ask the the Democrats or the liberals to cut their uh, their beloved entitlement programs, then we should be willing to at least put some fiscal sanity in our military. Now, that doesn't mean we need to underfund it, but I think sure. seven times more our nearest competitor is a little excessive. Exactly, exactly, and that's that's <clears throat> what Bernie Bernie stuck to that. Uh, the college kids, I think that this time around they went the Bernie route, um, unfortunately. Uh, the, the craziest thing to me was the, the Ron to Trump voters. I mean, I was in Uber. Yeah. We were in Uber the, the entire trip, and every, almost drunk? every Uber driver we I'm talked to, oh, I loved Ron. I voted <laughs> for Ron, but I'm voting yeah. for Trump this time. It wow. Just, just blew our mind. Yeah, you know, and that's the funny thing is, and Rand has had this just uh, a little bit of a rivalry with uh, Trump. Last week he said, yeah, when Trump said he wasn't going to be in, he's like, yeah, the IQ just went up 12 points here. So <laughs> I thought that was good. And he's had some really good digital ads. The one that he had about the absentee rates of uh, Rubio and Cruz was was very funny. Um, And, you know, it must just be mind-boggling to a a, a true Rand Paul supporter to say, how the hell would you go to Donald Trump, who's been on the wrong side of almost every issue, eminent domain, the nationalized health care, you know, wanting to... um, in, you know, war on drugs. I mean, every literally every issue that Donald Trump has come out for or against, it's almost the polar opposite of what a Rand Paul person would. So you really, it's hard to understand how somebody could say, you know, I like Rand Paul, but Trump's my guy. I think people are just so <clears throat> just discombobulated and disenfranchised with the GOP right now that, uh, you know, and, and also Rand's problem is he's not keeping it simple. You know, that's that was a problem Ron had with your traditional Republican voters. Mm-hmm. The rule of thumb is keep it simple, stupid, and, and they're they're going on these t- long rants about certain issues and just 
confusing the heck out of people sometimes. And, you know, Trump's up there keeping it very simple. And that's, I don't know, when people are really scared and angry, you know, I think that's what they, they gravitate towards. You know, if I, I think if ISIS wasn't a hot-button issue right now um, and the threat at our borders, you know, of ISIS maybe coming through the, uh, uh, from Mexico or whatever, yeah. you know, you hear that floating around. Right. But I think if that wasn't in existence right now, you would see Rand back at the front-runner status he was before Trump entered, entered the race. Yeah. Because so he's getting he's, he's getting a little pigeonholed because his father was looked at as a non-interventionist and somewhat yep. naive on foreign policy. Rand has been uh, far, you know, more uh, I guess traditional Republican on that. Still, it's a focal point of his campaign to, to be a non-interventionist and to certainly sure. try to stay out of other countries' business and not nation build. I guess it's the big thing. But uh, you know, like I, I I was joking with the the previous guest Chase. I said, you know, if you ever think your Facebook is lonely, criticize Rand. Paul, and you will get lit up. <laughs> I, uh, I just, I mean, I, I, you know, this is, and I, you know, I, I, I posed this the other day, like, okay, guys, we're all going to be fans of our uh, respective candidates, but you know, if you hear criticism, you got to learn how to to take it. And you're always very sure. good and and upfront about, you know, you can admit, hey, this was not a good night for us, and I find that refreshing. It's hard to spin. A night where y'all put in that much work, and it's one that Ron Paul did so well in, uh, and and it is like you said, a combination of factors. Bernie Sanders peeling off votes. Cruz, I think, definitely is pulling off some of the uh, sure. the Tea Party Liberty people, uh, and then sure. Trump being kind of the new guy in town and um, a little bit of the celebrity. I guess all those factors are are coalescing to pull it down. But uh, you know, I basically last night when I saw the numbers come in, I'm disappointed. I like having Rand in there. I just say I see no path of victory. For him, and I, I do expect him to drop out, and I got lambasted for that by all the Rand Paul people. But uh, you know, and maybe he won't drop out if he's able. If the uh, Senate candidate on the Dem side is not as strong as what I was thinking, then perhaps he'll stay in. And um, you know, I do like him part of the debate process. So I I don't want sure. him to drop out, but I like to speculate. It doesn't mean I I don't sure. like his supporters. But uh, so uh, are you? So you guys are head to New Hampshire. Um, I don't know what the hell's going to happen there, man. I mean, I don't either. We'll have to see. I think, you know, I think maybe we might see, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, make a prediction, but I, <laughs> I'm thinking we might see Cruz uh, at his peak now. Um, I mean, there, there's been some stuff that keeps coming out. You saw the ad. You saw what he did to Carson. Um, yeah, that, tell, tell us about that. Was that is that true? I mean, were you guys hearing that that happened, like, everywhere, and that was an organized? Um, there was uh, there were. I saw an email, and I don't know if that was, you know, I don't know if that was photoshopped or legit, but it was okay. going around showing where there was an email saying, "Hey, Carson supporters are Carson's about to drop out, so make sure you tell your support uh, the Carson supporters in your precinct to mm. get behind Cruz." Hmm. Um, so I don't know how that's going to play out. He needs to be careful with that, and I know he maybe needs to step in and tell his manager to cut that crap out because that's <laughs> not going to play well. Yeah. Hey, well, Josh, let's take our break here. I wanted to wrap up with you. I, I did have a couple more questions uh, to go over. Uh, I know you're uh, just get, come, getting over an illness or coming down. Well, in either way, but uh, I did want to get a couple more topics covered with you. Dave, can we take our uh, 243 break here real quick so we don't have to stop? Cool. All right. We'll see you in a couple minutes with Josh McKelvey on Greg's List. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. 
These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine. Understand Obamacare and learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List. Wrapping up here, talking Iowa caucus, talking a little bit Rand Paul. And now I want to speculate a little bit, not necessarily uh, 100% about Rand Paul, but do a little analysis. We're with the uh, city councilman from Covington, Josh McKelvey, who had been on the ground in uh, Rand Paul headquarters the past three days, 15-hour days up there. Wow, that's working more than 40 hours in one week. Bernie Sanders would be all over that. But uh, <laughs> So Rubio's big night, I, uh, I think it helped out Cruz in a a couple ways. One, you know, it helped him win. It, it certainly peeled off some votes from Donald Trump, I believe, and because it had a lot of undecided people and people that said, you know what, Rubio showed up, kicked ass at the uh, debate in Iowa. Uh, Trump didn't even bother. Uh, let's we're going to go with Rubio. He had the momentum. The other thing, I think, it's going to force Donald Trump to focus attention away from Cruz and on to Rubio. Um, so those are the top three right now. We're looking to see if somebody else can kind of crack in there. I thought one of the governors uh, might make it through, but maybe it's going to be Rand Paul that can somehow sneak into that top four. But looking at the the, the top three right now, do you think that that's uh, you know something going forward that Trump is now going to have to worry about Rubio on his flank and Cruz may be able to uh, take a little bit of a a, a break from the uh, the attacks? Uh, that might be a possibility. I think that uh, you know Trump said hardcore anti-establishment group of over 50 voters that you know they they can't stand rubio because of his they what they call gas on immigration or wobbles on immigration so uh that may be the case uh you know he sees it, it just depends on how the polling comes out in the next few days in new hampshire i think right uh, you know, so. Yeah, Trump's got a 20-point lead there now. Um, and, and, you know, the polls, the pollsters were reviled for getting Iowa wrong. But if you actually look at it, if you flip the top two, which a lot of people, you know, even though Trump was ahead on, in, the, in the final polls of the, you know, the most considered most accurate, most people, including me, or a lot of people I know, had Cruz uh, actually winning just because um, the demographics mm-hmm. worked out well for him and his ground game apparently was just yep. off the charts. So that wasn't a huge upset. 
upset to me. And other than that, the polls were dead on. Um, you know, picking sure. the order, they got uh, you know the lower tier candidates below, basically below the top five, dead on accurate. So, um, you know, what do you take of that? I mean, I think the pollsters were were, were taking a little bit of crap last night, and, and not deservingly, actually. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get that. I, I felt, from my point of view, seeing the Cruz ground game and knowing that Trump really didn't have that much, um, just with the all the media coverage and things like that. I knew Trump would be finishing top you know, top two, but I, I called it like you did. I thought Cruz was going to was gonna walk away. Um, I think that might play out again in New Hampshire. I think Christie, well, I'd like to see the newest polls, like I said, but I think this one of the, one of the governors might come, Christie might have a good stand in New Hampshire. Um, yeah, one of them. At this, yeah. at this point, he's a, he's kind of irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, one of them's um, gonna one of them's gonna have to show up. You got Kasich, Jeb, and and, and right now, if I'm Marco Rubio, I'm calling Jeb and saying, "Hey, <laughs> you seen yep. you seen Iowa? You seen the polls? You're you're done. You seen the Fox News coverage? You, you stop with the Super PAC attack ads. I'm the guy. You don't want to be embarrassed in Florida." Go ahead and drop out now. Now, I'm sure Jeb will probably hang on through uh, New Hampshire and maybe South Carolina. He's put a ton of work in and a ton of money. money. So it's hard money. to, yeah. it's hard to, and I mean, Jeb has, now he, he, I, you know, he has sent out, you know, his, his kids have been out. He's been, he's been campaigning hard. I, whether it's been effective, no, but he has been campaigning hard and I can see somebody not wanting to just pitch in because, or pitch a tent because of Iowa, but, um, at the same time, these attacks on Rubio, and you know the the RNC has got to be looking at Rubio as kind of their savior now. They oh, may yeah. be they may be making the uh, the phone calls to Jeb too, saying, "Look, writing's on the wall. You're still a young guy. Uh, maybe you can be the education secretary in a Rubio administration." You got to think those conversations are happening. right Oh now. yeah, it's got to be going on. I mean, they they know <laughs> Rubio's got the uh, the charm that Ru- that Bush lacks. He doesn't have the last name that Bush has. Um, I think he's got a, definitely uh, a more winnability factor when it comes to a general election because of that Latino guy, young guy. I mean, I think that there's de- there's definitely got to be pressure. You know, hey Jeb, let's go ahead and work this out. Yeah, yeah, like go ahead and save save a little bit of face now and send me all of your pack money. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So uh, if that happens, yeah. you start seeing that coalesce, then you're going to start see. I think the numbers will shift around. I think right. You know, you'll see. It might become more of a Cruz Rubio um, or or Trump. You know, it just depends. The ground game in New Hampshire. If, if, Trump, if Trump's not there and he's the number two or number three oh, yeah. guy in New Hampshire, yeah. if, if Trump doesn't, are, oh, if Trump sorry. doesn't win New Hampshire, he's done. I mean, that there's, yeah. he's, he's just done because everybody will say, "Oh wow, what what were we thinking?" And it'll show that his support was actually not nearly what it was showing in the polls. Um, because exactly. that again, you can take a phone call poll, and if you go through the five minute interview session, that that's a sign of somebody that's angry. But not necessarily somebody that's going to go out of their way to vote. Now, New Hampshire is a much easier voting process. I believe it's just to sure. you know show up and, and you vote for like it'll be similar to Georgia where we go. I guess uh, just to wrap up, Josh, with, with Rand, you know, I guess the main thing that you know when I point out, I just don't see a path uh, to victory for him. I'm not saying that he should he should drop out, but especially with your intel about you know he's actually losing support for, or th- that his dad had from a few stuff. He's got a three front war. You know he's got Trump, mm-hmm. Cruz, and on the left Bernie Sanders all peeling away from his natural vote. So I just don't see where he you know or the people that support the governors or the Carly Fiorina crowd if she drops out are they going to run to Rand first or are they going to you know go to one of the other. You know, two or three. No, they, they, you know, there was the only 
people I found in the poll in you know making all, all those phone calls and talking was the Rubio Rand factor and huh. Carson's in there too. They they all had high favorability of Rand. Oh yeah. So if one of those two drops out, you might see his numbers go up. But he's got to knock it out of the park in New Hampshire and Nevada, or I think he's going to have to sit yeah. back and yeah, you're right. worry about the Senate race. You know, actually the Carson race, uh, the Carson factor. That's something because Carson is he is taking nine days off. I mean, that's uh, yeah. I, I I I lambasted Cruz a little bit. If that's true that that was organized, that's dirty politics, and I, I certainly can't support anything like that. But you know, at the same time, Carson did say, hey, I'm going to get fresh clothes in Florida, and I'll be back in nine days. That's sure. <laughs> that ain't a good sign. So Yes, it's not a good thing. It's, I mean, you can't just go home for nine days when you've got another <laughs> caucus or a primary coming up in two weeks. Yeah. That's not a good sign. So, so for Rand, Maybe is, he's getting tired of it. I don't know. Do you think his Senate seat is safe, though? The uh, Democrats do have the, the mayor of Lexington is apparently a gay uh, Democrat, which I, I don't know why we always have to describe people like that, but that's yeah. how he was described on my Facebook thread last <laughs> I saw night. That. I saw yeah, that I was like, I was like, thank, thank you for that. And it, I mean, okay, cool. They were like in a, a Republican state, a gay Democrat can't win. I guess, okay, I guess that's traditional wisdom, but uh, I don't think Kentucky's is Republican as some people think think sometimes so yeah it's, it's not but i think that you know because of the positions you know of his message he's yeah he's, he's got a strong base there okay. in kentucky i mean he was able to actually uh work with mcconnell and they actually they like him so much they and he's such a team player in their eyes in, in that state that they actually switched from a primary to a caucus state so that he could keep running yeah you know two races <laughs> at once yeah but no he's got he's got tons of support in the the establishment, uh, as much as I like to think they probably got this Democrat to run to get him out of the presidential race, I also think that you know they've uh, they've got their guy Rand. He's a good. They, they like him a lot. And right. I think that they would get behind him in a race like that. Do so you feel like so. he, you feel like Rand's in pretty good shape to uh, if the presidential thing doesn't work out that he's he'll be back? Oh yes, yeah, okay, definitely, cool. definitely. All right. Well, that's good. That's uh, I had been slightly worried about that, but it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> We don't need to worry about losing uh, the, the Kentucky Senate seat. There are plenty of others out there that uh, sure. might be on the ballot. Josh McKelvey, City Councilman Covington, Georgia, on the ground with Dr. Rand Paul out in Iowa. Welcome back. Uh, you must be enjoying the 70-degree weather. Feel better. Kiss the baby and the uh, uh, give the wife a hug and do all the good stuff that, that uh, you know, the, the, the homeward, ver- homeward journey is going to do for you, okay? Will do. Greg, I appreciate it, brother. All right, Thanks man. for having me on. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. All right, bye couple great guests today chase reed josh McKelvey, giving us some some insight and uh you know when this show was first conceived uh by david uh the uh, producer here at america's web radio he wanted a a younger uh audience that was kind of the the goal of the show and that and that's what i've tried to to get is a good mixture of 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 uh you know elected officials business leaders uh you know, national figures at some point, but also, you know, some real life stories from the under 40 bracket. Now, I am actually 40.5 right now, David, so I'm no longer under 40. If anybody wants to nominate me for a 40 under 40 plan, you'll have to do a 41 under 41. Sorry, I've got six more months of being 40. But after that, I think basically anything from like 41 to 46, it's kind of the same age, right? Basically. Okay. And once you hit 47, though. You're in that 47% Mitt Romney ill-advised bracket. I don't feel 40. I feel 18. You know? What do you think about that, David? Is that 
No. Well, you get, the older you get, it, you know. I feel it, like it I just matter. voted for the first time. Doesn't matter how you feel, but then uh, then you finally wind up and you realize you're like a dog chasing the car. You wouldn't know what to that do with it if you caught the, it. And that you, <laughs> you'll never catch the car. And if you did, it's probably not a good thing. I did want to mention to, to my listeners uh, Thursday night, you've seen the movie, you've heard the testimony. 13 hours, the Benghazi fiasco. I don't know if you believe Hillary Clinton or not. I don't. I think that she was complicit in uh, some shenanigans there for sure, and they certainly did not support the uh, the ancillary embassy there or the annex. Chris Tonto Peranto is going to be in town, Atlanta Athletic Club. It's a fundraiser for Ben Cowart running for Fulton County Sheriff. We'll have Ben here on the show. Chris Peranto called in as a guest here Man, it's been a few months now. It was uh, the movie, it, it, you know, came out January 13th. It's already grossed more than $33 million, David. So it's done pretty good. Michael Bay movie, Michael Bay from Transformers and some other uh, big budget. What is it? Bad Boys with uh, Will Smith. And you're a big Will Smith and uh, Martin Lawrence fan, aren't you? Um, uh, those big budget films. This one was a $50 million budget. So it's clearly going to be profitable. It's going to be informative. Uh, I have not yet to see it. I will see it before. Uh, uh, the event Thursday night, so I know what the hell I'm talking Even about. I, I have I have read the book. The book's by uh, Michael Zukoff, and um, you know it's uh, it's just a tale of uh, of heroism, and you know the 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 surviving heroes have tried to get the politics out of it, but the fact of the matter is there's a dirty trail that runs straight to the White House, straight to Hillary Clinton, straight to Valerie Jarrett, straight to all of them that, that, that pushed that false narrative that it was a video, some obscure video about anti-Muslim video that caused this uh, organic revolt in Benghazi to happen. And the fact that they pushed that for so long and threw out all of the, the talking points and the talking heads for up to three weeks after it, while Hillary Clinton supposedly has been telling people via her uh, email magic server that they knew it was an assault, <sighs> that just makes you really upset with America. So come out, 7 p.m. Atlanta Athletic Club. Email me at gwilliams3154 at gmail.com for uh, sponsorship and ticket ideas. We'll see you there. We'll have a big show next week wrapping that up as well as uh, talking about New Hampshire probably at that point, seeing what the vote's going to look like. Appreciate you listening. See you next week on Greg's List. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.